Good evening, and welcome into Vulnerable Interviews with your hosts, Russell and Chris. This episode, they're interviewing Kissy Kitten, a dear friend of both of them and their Twitch communities. The subject of this episode will involve an incredibly difficult yet important topic of conversation of sexual assault. Our guest will talk about the events leading up to, details of the case, and, most importantly, how she healed and continues to do so. This conversation is meant to bring an important topic out in the open and give our courageous guest a platform to tell her story and hopefully inspire others. You can't hear me. Now you can hear me because I'm unmuted. There's always an issue of some kind. Crazy how that works, right? Yeah. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I clicked a bunch of wrong things, but we're good. I we're good. Everyone's too. live. I'm live on Twitch. You're live on Twitch, Facebook. Everyone's good. Yep. All right. We are good. Well, welcome in, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of Vulnerable Interviews. So this is technically wow. episode six, but tonight we're doing a special episode where we are going to interview a dear friend of ours. Um, let's talk about a couple of things first before we get rolling. Um, I think... We can talk about um, the the nature and the subject of this conversation a little bit, and also um, some information relative to streaming is concerned about tonight specifically. So um, tonight we're going to be speaking to a dear friend of ours, the community, um, about uh, something that occurred in their life, a story that they uh, very much want to tell, have told before, and want to continue to do so. Um, it involves a sexual assault. Uh, a very brutal nature now again this is not the focus necessarily on the details tonight but um, we want to make sure that the story gets told the way it needs to for our friend to express what it is that they want to express about how they've healed and frankly i'm going to speak for both of us this person is probably one of the most courageous human beings i have ever met in my life have had the pleasure to know and befriend And I'm honored that they would take the time to do this tonight. A little bit of housekeeping. Obviously, the mods are going to be on point tonight. Um, But please take care of yourselves. This is a really challenging topic, no matter who you are. If you have to step aside and you need to take some time to walk away from the conversation, please do. Um, You know, we want people to listen and hear her story. But we also want people to make sure that, you know, they're safe. I mean, we've had many conversations among us three, of course, our guests. I mean, I'm sorry, us two, and of course, our guests, um, right. the other mo- our mod teams. We want to make sure everybody feels safe, comfortable. And um, yeah, so uh, I want to talk a little bit about the donations, bits, and all that kind of thing really quick, too. Yes. Um, so for anybody who donates anything tonight, whether it's bits, subs, on either side of the equation, all of that money will go directly to a, um, a charity of our guests um, uh, choosing. You know, this isn't the thing where we want to make money on this. We want this to be a, a, like where we present it to people and have something that people should be listening to and some important conversations. So that is where anything tonight will go. Yep. All of it. Hi, Hammer. Sorry, I just kind of, like, just busted open the doors. But this is, I mean, let's be real. This is kind of a, we're, this is awkward. Like, we're, no, we're normally awkward, but this is a really challenging conversation. And the prep for it and everything, it was it was a lot. So, 
it, it, it was a lot. And even the the pregame, if you will, was a lot. Yeah. And so we're, I mean, like like we discussed, we're trying to make sure we cover all bases, both protecting the, our guests, protecting ourselves, and protecting our communities. Just um, make sure everybody is good. And it's it's one of those things that, I mean, our whole platform is different. Typically, you know, we start, we talk to individual, you know, individuals, besides me clicking every scene that I have, we were here and we're doing this. So, I mean, it's just, it's, 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 it is what it is. Yeah. That's, that's, there's no other way to put that. It is what it is. Uh, but okay. So yeah, so awkward, but you know what? We don't, we don't care because this is too important to discuss. Um, and, uh, and present. So thank you. Uh, are you ready? I'm going to bring our guest in. Let's do it. Okay. Kissy, you can go ahead and unmute yourself, my friend. Hi guys. Hi there. there how she are you? Is. Welcome Good. on how in. How are you guys? You know, doing well. Ready to do this. Yeah. As ready as I'll ever be, I guess. Well, thank you for doing this because I know it's not something that's super comfortable for anyone to really do or talk about or face with. Um, so I really appreciate that you guys are willing to open the doors here and have this as the first of your interviews. We're honored. I know I am. And you heard Hammer. Like, thank you. Um, yeah. So we did do a pre-interview with Kissy. Um, we're both very familiar with the conversation that we're going to have. Um, that doesn't make it any less easier to navigate live. And again, um, I'm going to say this one more time. I'm not going to beat a dead horse here, but as we, as we go through this, please pay attention to how you're feeling. If you need to step aside, step aside. Okay. I think I've, I think I've gotten that driven that one home. What do you think? Yeah. Nobody will be offended if someone oh, has to not at all. Not at all. Not, not even all. a little bit, even if you're a mod especially if you're mod it's tough to do that so yeah all right so I'll, I'll set the stage a little bit um the the impetus behind this conversation was um i was talking with our our dear friend kissy here um i don't remember what we were talking about um just life stuff whatever and um she we got to the conversation of the story which she shared with me personally and i i was i was honestly so taken aback by the way kissy explained everything walked through everything was able to just really describe um the entire thing from end to end w with as much courage as she could i'm gonna keep saying that that's that's a word i'm gonna just use a lot tonight um and I, I asked a very genuine question because at first I was like, well, this, no, this is something that I wouldn't necessarily want to have on stream. And I'm like, maybe we should. So I took a chance and I asked and, um, that brings us, that brings us here kind of. Yeah. Um, just like that. Just like Literally that. Just like that. Yeah. So there's no yeah. easy way then, to I mean, I sit there and listen to me for like two hours as we talked about all the details behind the scenes to get ready for this. Yeah. I mean, again, it was an honor to hear the story. Not easy, but um, we're we're here for it, as as many of us say. Um, okay, so why don't we why don't we just get through this really uncomfortable moment and figure figure out how we're going to start? Um, okay, let's do it a little abstract. 
why do you want to tell this story and why do you want to tell it so publicly? And then we can get into some of the, bring us into the details and then we'll go from there. To me, this has been something that doesn't get talked about enough and it tends to be hidden a lot, um, rushed away. And it continues to be used to make people feel shame that should not feel shame for any reason. Um, continues to have situations that you see very public conversations about it that there are still people that go I don't understand why they wouldn't talk about it sooner why they wouldn't do this why they wouldn't do that well there's very good reasons why people who have been sexually assaulted or raped don't always report they don't always talk about it they don't always feel safe enough to do so yeah so that's Uh, I had an opportunity um, partially because of what happened to me and who was involved in and where that I had a platform that became available and I had enough support to be able to have a voice and use it. And so it, to me, it became very important to do so. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that importance. It absolutely needs to be discussed more than it is it absolutely needs to be brought to the forefront um more often than it is for several reasons that we'll 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 walk through I'm, i guarantee you a little later but 100 percent needs to be um needs to be discussed it does because it's a really common story not this specific story but the common story of so many more people probably have experienced or dealt with something where and you just don't know about it because i mean granted it's not a conversation you want to start off with when you meet somebody but this is these are conversations that nobody wants to have at all um so what have you done in the past as far as like um making like turning this into a public thing for you turning it into something that you're able to talk about openly because that in and of itself is unbelievable um to just be able to do that and what what brought you to that place specifically well part of it um because of the case itself um my rapist happened to be a police officer in a college town um and i was one of multiple women that he had assaulted And because of where it was, who he was, it garnered a lot of attention, both locally and, you know, nationally and even internationally. Yeah. And so they were all still willing to protect our identities as we went through this, but we were still going to be in a courtroom. Well, I didn't know immediately that we were going to have a courtroom, but um, we were going to be in a courtroom with a lot of reporters. Um, from all over and people were talking about it. Um, I felt very strongly because I started seeing what people had gone through and just people who knew me were telling me stories about what had happened to them and they didn't tell anybody because they didn't feel comfortable or safe doing it. And so I realized very quickly that this is something that we shouldn't hide from 
because the more we hide from it, the more we encourage that behavior of telling people who have been assaulted that they shouldn't talk about it because it's such a private thing. And it's not a private thing. It impacts everybody. It impacts not just the person who was assaulted. It impacts their families, their friends, everyone around them. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, any any trauma like that would. It's, it's, that's not focused on either during these cases is how it impacts everybody. But of course, you know, the victim, um, the assault themselves. So you said it was a really public um, case, I suppose. Um, yeah. I guess just walk us through who they were and... Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so my assailant was a 17-year police veteran, um, was a sergeant in the police force in the town where I grew up, or not grew up, where I was living and had spent a large portion of my time where I worked um had apparently been stalking me for months doing things like running my license plates to get my information had my family's information um because i was still young i was 25 i just almost was turning 26 when it happened um had a co-signer on my car so my mom and dad's information was there um big college town multiple colleges well-known colleges universities um and a large insurance company based there so there's a lot of things in the area and then to find out that one of the senior police officers was um targeting and researching and stalking women and assaulting them in their homes oh. got a lot of attention for me that night, I it was I woke up at about three o'clock in the morning to a silhouette in my doorway with a light in their hand. One of the most vulnerable experiences ever is to have someone in your house that you don't know yeah. coming at you. And there's not much you can do about it. I can imagine what that's like. I I can't I mean when when my son, who is here, who is supposed to be here, comes in, just even to where I am, it's it's a very shocking experience. I know, mm -hmm. you know, we've we've joked about that, we've seen that, but it's still no less a very could be very traumatic experience for somebody who you who should not be there, somebody who you don't know who they are to be, especially at that time. When you are most vulnerable, you're most relaxed, you're most mm -hmm. comfortable, you know, with the expectation of nobody's here, but who should be here to wake up to that first off is trauma in itself. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And he moved fast. And next thing you know, I've got my hands bound behind my back. I've got tape over my eyes, over my mouth, and all the way around my head vertically so that I couldn't, absolutely couldn't open my mouth. And then a pillowcase over my head. And there's literally nothing I can do at this point. I've got a gun on my chest, and he's going to do what he's going to do. And then proceeds to take me into the bathroom, and I honestly thought I was going to die then. 
I'd already had a gun on my chest. He'd already threatened to shoot me. I knew he had a knife. I thought that was it. Um, thankfully, it wasn't because I'm still here, but um, not knowing what was going to end up after going through that and then not knowing whether or not I was going to be alive in the next few minutes. You don't get much more vulnerable than that. No. no but then, don't. of course, he leaves and it gets worse because now suddenly here you are in a position you never want to find yourself. and. I did call the police right away because obviously this was super crazy and I'm by myself and I have no idea where he is and I know he's got all this stuff, so I know I need help. But here I am in a towel because that's all I could grab and suddenly have more strangers with guns coming into my house and then trying to determine where they're going to take me and how I'm going to get places and me trying to figure out who I need to call and try and remember things because he'd also taken my cell phone. Which, I mean, even 20 years ago, our lives were in our cell phones. Nobody remembered phone numbers and, right. you know, so suddenly trying to remember how to contact people. Um, then you go to a hospital and you've got more people that you've got to strip down in front of and get exams and pictures and scrapes and swabs and questions. Everything about you is being examined and looked at and questions are being asked wow. um, about exactly what just happened. And you've got a police officer. And if you're lucky, you get a sane nurse, which is someone who is trained in how to handle sexual assault. Yeah. Um, not every hospital has that. No, they don't. So you may or may not have someone who is, good at that or train in exactly what they need to do or you might have somebody who's trying to figure out exactly what they're supposed to do and what order and how they're supposed to be saving the evidence no and then when they finally get done you still got to sit there while they make sure they've got everything and while they suddenly try to find you some clothes because anything that they got for you to wear before you went to the hospital is now evidence because something may have rubbed off on it while you were Wearing it in the, you know, five or ten minutes it takes to get to the hospital. So they have to find you something, which is usually some scrubs, to wear home. Then you have that decision. Do you go back to the house where this happened, to the apartment where this happened? Or do you go somewhere else with other people that you suddenly have to be around and you don't really want to talk to anybody? Yeah, I don't remember if we all asked. you want to talk. Did you that did you go to some like somewhere else? I don't I think we talked about that the last time after the fact. No, I don't think we did. I mean, I ended up going to my parents, um, who actually lived about an hour away. Okay. Um, and I stayed there for a while. I did have to go back to that apartment. Um, which of course, when you go back, like they won't let you go back immediately. Right. Because they've got crime scene crews in there. The fun part most people don't think about with crime scene crews, they don't clean up after themselves when they're done. So you go home and you find the fingerprint dust everywhere and all the stuff that they looked through and whatever it is that, you know, they thought they might find or, you know, who knows, they might have taken anything that they thought could have been involved and you may or may not get it later. You'll get a listing of all the things that they took. So not only has your person been um exposed and and 
taken advantage of, but your house now has had the same thing happen, but by legal people who are trying to help you. Yeah, so literally every segment of your life is everybody's, yeah, you're just out there. Yeah. And it's a lot. And going through all of that, it's it's really not surprising why not everybody immediately reports. Yeah. Never mind the fact it's not always safe for people to always report right away. Right, because oftentimes people that they would be reporting against are close to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas your situation. And at the time, mm-hmm. I didn't know he was a police officer at the time. Yeah. And you also didn't know him, right? You you had no prior connection to him whatsoever. I had no prior connections, no prior interactions with him that I was aware of. He, uh, it's probable that he worked um, some beats on places where I hung out, like clubs and bars that I would go to, but didn't have any, like I'd never had a parking ticket. I'd never been arrested, never had to report a crime or, you know, deal with the police department. Okay. Um, so the best guess is that he saw me downtown one time when he was doing the the bar crawl um, beat and decided that I looked like a good target. And then he, I think you said that he had searched like your name for a while and kind of the whole stalking thing. Yeah, um, he, he ran my license plates multiple times um, and like the middle of the night when my car would have been parked in my car park um, when it was parked in the parking lot of my office Um, all times when I wouldn't have been out it wasn't somebody running my plates because I ran a stop sign or anything right literally times where my car was parked somewhere and I bring that up because I I remember and we'll get to it eventually but I remember that was part of the investigation was the fact that he had run your information when he shouldn't when he didn't need to yeah yeah okay so now the hospital part is done and then they bring you into question after the fact i assume not going to bring you in for that first there's some immediate questions while you're in the hospital and then the next day you get the phone calls and they're asking you to come in and they you know put you in the nice little interrogation room it's you know they try to be nice but it's still a little interrogation room and to ask you more questions and very specific questions of exactly what happened. Um, and then that continues to happen on and off as they come up with more things or more questions um, or people that they think might be involved. So they might start having you look at pictures or, you know, as you get further along and if they do have someone that they think it is, they may ask you to come back in and listen to voice clips. Um, and see if you can identify the voices. Right. Because in my case, and and for all the girls in this case, he talked. He talked a lot to all of us. Um, Very friendly, very knowing questions. Um, As horrible as it is, the media referred to him as the boyfriend rapist. Yeah. Because, you you know, he, yeah, he'd ask questions about your life and what was going on and um, it was just very strange in its entirety. Um, as far as we know, I was the second one. Um, he actually raped four, um, was stalking a fifth when he was caught. 
And it was that this, stalking of the fifth was what sort of brought. That's the one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, someone had called because again, it was the, at least the second or third time someone had come to her house in the middle of the night and she heard them and she called the cops and they came and he was not far away around like a corner. Um, but okay. the responding officer knew him because obviously it was not a huge town's police department. They all knew each other. And the assailant um, was a superior. Right. And so he came up with a, I, you know, oh, I'm just checking out places for my mother-in-law. And like to buy and, a house or something? Yeah, like to buy a house. Some bullshit she'd apparently answer. been living with them and he wanted to find her someplace of her own. And so he was supposedly out at, you know, 2 a.m. looking at houses. And they thought it was a little weird, but like, okay, well, that could potentially maybe make sense. Um, and so they let him go. Hmm. This was almost five years after my assault. Wow. Yeah, I was going to mention we that. Were, that happened over the course of about five or some more years? Yeah, it was, well, it was about five years. Um, unfortunately, Illinois at the time still had a statute of limitations on sexual assault. Okay. So they have five years to file charges against someone or they can no longer file charges for sexual assault, except in a case where it was a minor right. um, who was not able to report themselves. And so we were almost to the end of my options. Wow. Um, and I really, at that point, had expected that we were not going to find anybody. And then I got the phone call. Oh, my God. Do you recall how long, like, how close you were to that statute ending? Um, my assault was in, well, it was 2003, April of 2003. They caught him outside of the last, of this last victim's home in 2006. They started putting the connections together shortly thereafter. Um, okay. So we were going into four years by the time that they could officially connect him or were confident enough to connect him to bring me in to do um, picture lineups and audio lineups. And let me tell you, pictures are one thing, and it's it's tough, um, especially in a situation where you didn't get a good look at the whole face because it was dark. Um, he ended up putting on like a, a ski mask. Yeah. So like the only thing I could see mm -hmm. was his eyes. But the voice thing, you hear the voice, you know, he was in my house for at least 45 minutes. Wow. And talked almost the whole time. So listening to the voice clips, I finally had to stop. I had it down to two. And he was one of the two. And I couldn't listen anymore. Like I literally physically couldn't listen anymore. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine having to rehearse that after you've after you've gone through the medical evaluation and then you've gone through all the questioning and gone through all of the stuff. I mean, we've said it once, and I guess as everybody said, an incredibly courageous individual to be able to go through all of that and come out on this side, even able to have conversations like this. Yeah, and I mean, that that part, all getting to that part, 
Um, it's all horrible, and I developed PTSD. Um, been a lot of time not being able to sleep, literally, at all. Um, I was getting an hour of sleep a night, pretty much. I couldn't sleep for more than an hour. Um, put me on medication to try to help me sleep, and I still couldn't sleep. Yeah. Um, so it was the stress, physical stress. It had an impact at work. I had um, a senior management person because I missed some work, obviously, um, after that event. And then there were still issues. I would have panic attacks, um, have therapy appointments. Um, and he made the comment that, you know, when is she going to stop using that as an excuse? And instead of doing anything about him, they moved me to another department. Wow. That's impressively horrible. Yeah. And unfortunately that's not unusual. Well, well yeah, um, I was going to say that's part of the, one of the, one of the myriad of reasons why people don't report things because it's either ignored or cast aside or used pushed away it's like well it's not upset things and just you know you can stay over there instead of dealing with a very fundamental issue with that person yeah and then you've got the people that want to ask what you did to draw his attention what did you do to let that happen um or the oh i would have fought him tooth and nail um sure yeah um Honestly, I, before that happened, I was a hard ass. I more so than I am now. Um, and there aren't just fight or flight. There's freeze. Yeah. And a lot of people freeze yeah. that don't think they will freeze. Of course. You don't know until you actually get into that situation what your body and your mind are actually going to do. But it's easy to find some fault in the person it happened to because it's easier to convince yourself that it would never happen to you because you would never do this, that, or the other thing. Right. Because a world can't exist where they would be in that situation. Exactly. And unfortunately the odds are that they or someone they know will or have already been in that situation. And probably didn't act the way they thought they would. Yeah. Few people do. In any situation. Totally. Um, okay, so you... Last part, we were talking about the, the... The voices, and then we were moving on to... More of the investigation in the case. Yeah. Um... I was able to, I picked his picture out from the eyes and then I narrowed okay. the voices down to his and someone else. Um, a couple of the other girls who it was more recent um, were able to make better identifications. Um, when they figured out and they were able to make these connections, like they found um, hairs and fibers on the tape that was around my head. Because when I got out of the bathtub, all I had on was this tape, and I literally had to rip it off of my head. Um, and so my hair, fibers from his clothing, um, were on that tape. And they were able to take it because I just ripped it off and dropped it on the counter in my house. 
um, and they were able to match fibers as closely as you can match fibers because it's not like DNA where there's an exact match that you can come across. Um, they were able to match the fibers. There was no real DNA evidence that could really be matched because for each of us, he ended up putting us in a tub or a shower with water running while portions of the assault continued to happen. And anything that was there was degraded or washed away. So they had to deal with everything else that they could find, any fibers, materials, um, you know, potentially hairs. There were cat hairs that were found on tape and some of the stuff that happened with each of us that they were able to tie back to things. Like really wild things that on a one-off, it wouldn't be anything major, but when you add all of these different things up and then you add in that he was using his personal police login to access the databases, to run um, my license plates and to look at police reports or ticket reports, or he was the one that was inputting the information for people. Um, they were able to connect enough dots that they were confident that it was him. And so they had me come back into the police station and they sat down and told me that one of their, they're pretty darn confident that one of their coworkers was the one that had raped me and at least three other women. And the fact that they're telling you this like pre um, arrest is kind of interesting. Well, yeah. they had already, they had arrested him oh, for okay. the stalking okay. stuff. Um, so they already had him in custody and they were filing charges for the arrest. But they had already had him in custody for the initial stalking situation. Okay. Um, and then the rest came along. Um, they couldn't charge him with all of the things that they would have charged him for in my case because... Most of the things were beyond the statute of limitations. Okay. For me, they were able to charge him for four class X felony counts of aggravated sexual assault. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I mean, that's the most um, important thing, though. Like that. Yeah, that's, yeah. Those are the big charges. Um, yeah. So. Then there was a span of almost two years of multiple court cases being set, um, his attorneys dragging things out, because in Illinois, there's a requirement that um, you have to go to, to court if you're arrested for a crime here, and especially a major crime, you have to go to court for it. You have to have your court date within a certain amount of time. The prosecutors were ready to go. His side was not. Um, He also went through about three different sets of attorneys before we ever finally got to the actual court case. Wow. So it drug out forever, which meant there were news reports and articles about this forever. So by the time we actually did go to court, um, there were so many reporters lining up to come in and sit in the gallery 
to watch this whole proceeding. Quick question regarding the press. So obviously you've spoken to the press uh, after the fact. I know the details of the case, obviously, you can't talk about, but were you talking to the press prior to the case concluding? Like, were you doing it the entire time, or was it only after the fact? Um, during certain days of the trial, because I couldn't actually be at court the entire time, because I was a witness. Right. So, when this happens, and you have to go to court... um. You're not a victim. You're an alleged victim, but you're a witness inside the courtroom. Okay. They okay. can't refer to you as a victim. Because it's it's um it's, it's biased. It's prejudicial. Yeah. Yeah. And right. it could be it could bias the jury. So you're just a you're just a witness. And as a witness, you can't see anyone else's testimony, not even police officers, um, crime scene whatever you can't see any of it so we could go in for like the opening mm -hmm. and then we couldn't come back until it was time for us to actually testify and they would only let us come in like right before we would testify so we've got to be there right i had a, a court summons delivered to my home um and by that point in time i had moved um out of town hours away so they had to send people to deliver the summons to me at my new home, um, and which I had to completely open my schedule for the numerous court dates we had because we didn't know for sure which one was actually going to be the real one. Right. So for the span of almost, yeah. So yeah. for the span of almost two years, I literally couldn't make any major plans because we never knew exactly when it was going to happen because they continuously dragged this stuff out. So when we did, I mean, we get there, you know, do the opening. They want us there. In these kind of cases, they want the women, the people, the victims to be there and be seen when they can be. Because it puts a, a reality that these are actual people. Yeah. This isn't just yeah. some, you know, vision in somebody's head. These are actual legitimate people that were on the other side of this. Yeah. He is there at the defendant's table the whole time. So when it's your turn to testify, you have to literally walk right past him to go up and sit up there. And then he's looking at you the whole time. Mm. Well, his attorney asks you a lot of stuff. And even if it's things that get, um, you know, overturned or, you know, the judge says no to you, you still have to sit there while they say it. It's still there. Right. Yeah, they're right. still saying and words. So you are in a room with him, his attorney, all of the jury, the judge, all of the people who were there to watch, which is his family, possibly some of your family members, other victims' family members, and a whole bunch of reporters at this point from all over. Um, well, you have to go through and talk about exactly what happened. In very detailed terms. I was going to say the detailed, yeah. You can't right. just say, oh, he raped me. You have to say, he put his penis in my vagina. There is no getting around these things. And so while, you know, the person who did it is sitting right there, you've got to relive every step of that. 
And then have it dissected. By everybody in the room. And and attacked, too, in some degree, with yes. the defense attorney. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. By his attorney, and then afterwards, by people online commenting on the articles, because the, nude, the news articles were getting posted every oh, single day. And then you'd have them interviewing his wife, because she could be there the whole time, so she's front and center every time, you know, end of the day. She's going out. Reporters are there every day wanting to, you know, get her side of things, and so at the time, she was just, I hate to say it, I, you know, really talk bad about people, but she was vile. Mm. She was a horribly vile person to the point that she would call all of us liars. We made it all up. Um, violent porn was found on a computer in their home that he used. Um, violent porn that basically played out the type of things that he did. She blamed that on her teenage daughter. That it wasn't his. He didn't do that. He wouldn't look at that kind of stuff. It was the daughter's. So just in as much denial as a human being is capable of being. Absolutely. Absolutely. God. Wow. Later on, she changed her story. After he was found guilty and had been in prison for a while and had gone through... um, They appealed this all the way up to the Supreme Court, or at least parts of it all the way to the Supreme Court. Um, and he was still The Illinois still Street, Supreme Court? Mm-hmm. Or, okay. Yep, Illinois Supreme Court. Um, and he is in, he's in prison for the rest of his life and then some. Yeah. Um, but Good. after all of that, she changed her tune. He was abusive. He was, you know, horrible. He was the worst husband ever. Um, so suddenly it was like a... Flip, she flipped a switch and suddenly it was all completely different and they did you know uh I, I, if you've ever seen the show who the fuck did i marry she did an episode of that about her experience with him oh my god yeah i mean while yes because suddenly she was the, the, the victim. victim in this whole thing right i'm sure to some degree um, she was but she was clearly a monster herself oh yeah definitely not a great person at the time Horrible. So you've got all of this and every day and then you're seeing these news reports come out and you know exactly what parts are accurately documented in these news reports and which ones are completely bullshit. And yeah. there's not anything you can do about it. So you're oh. just kind of there seeing this stuff and then you've got these people, this whole thing, never read the comments. Super important not to read the comments and that kind of thing. So, of course, I read all the comments because somebody who's not in a great headspace anyway is going to do that kind of stuff, you know? It hurts me so badly. Yeah, it it was not. I mean, there are a lot of people that were super supportive of all of us, but there are a lot of people that, you know, oh, these girls, blah, blah, blah. They don't know what they're talking about. They uh, encouraged him. You know, whatever dichotic things that people come up with in those kind of situations. Yeah. So then when you finally get to the point where, you know, you do your testimony, I held it together pretty well until I got to the doors to leave the courtroom. Because as soon as I got done testifying they had me leave the courtroom because I couldn't be there. Even though I'd already testified, they didn't want me there for any further of the the interviews because there's the possibility where they might have to call me back later. 
So get to the courtroom doors. The doors close behind me and I just break down in the middle of the hallway in the courthouse. Full breakdown. Like they're almost having to carry me into a room and they didn't want me out there having this massive breakdown because his kids were roaming around the courthouse. Like that's a, a good use of anybody's time. So, sorry, what? you know, yeah, yeah. So usher me into a room where I continue to have this lovely breakdown. And then this, you know, case goes on for a couple of weeks. Um, and we did get a, a, a guilty verdict um, on all the counts. There were um, four, four total. Four like aggravated sexual assault. Okay. Yeah. There, well, there are technically five, four sexual assault victims, one okay. stalking victim. Right, right. Okay. Um, and he was found guilty on all the counts that they could find him guilty on for all of us. Everything that was still eligible, they found him guilty. Okay. Um, the judge made a point of telling him that he was the worst of the worst mm -hmm. criminals because not only did he do these horrible things, he was someone who was supposed to be a protector of the community. Yeah. And he has completely broken all trust that anyone could possibly have. So then you have to wait almost two months for the sentencing because they don't do it immediately. So then they've got us writing impact statements. And what you can say in an impact statement is fairly regulated. And it's hmm. supposed to focus on just exactly the impact on you um, for what happened. So, you know, you talk about the need for medical care, for mental health care, your, you know, impact on your work life, your home life, um, things like my husband can't wake me up by touching me. Like you would go up to someone normally and just put your hand on their shoulder or whatever and kind of shake them awake and say, hey, honey, wake up. He can't do that. Even to this day, he can't do that. I will full blown panic. And he has told me before, because he's seen it, that it is one of the most horrifying things he's ever seen. The look in my eyes when I, when I wake up is painful. I can't, I can't even begin to imagine the level. So, of, yeah. Yeah. But then you have to go in and read these impact statements. So not only have you already testified of everything that happened but you go in and you read your impact statement in the court um to him and his family and the judge who is going to make a final decision so he takes all of this takes everything you know anything else that they want to say you know they bring in people to try to talk about what a wonderful person he is and what a wonderful impact he's had on the community um and why you know they shouldn't smack him down with everything they have um and then the judge goes back and you know, considers the verdict. Um, the original verdict for him was 440 years in total. Um, for my case at that time, 70 years of that were just from my case. My case had the second most years. They had it so that each of the sentences for each of us had to be, one of ours had to be completed, then he starts the next one. So it's not all running concurrently. Um, in Illinois, 
for class X felonies, you were required to serve 80% of your term of your sentence before you are eligible for parole. So between all of us, he was not going to be eligible for parole for, you know, 300 and some years. Well, as time went on, they appealed, um, originally tried to appeal the whole thing, and uh, the county said, mm, no. Um, so they ended up taking it to the Illinois Supreme Court. But instead of appealing all of the guilty verdicts, they ended up only getting a, an allowance for some of the add-on charges. So when you would use a weapon, in some cases, you would get both the minimum term for that crime, for that felony charge, plus an add-on for the dangerous weapon. Right. Um, for some of the charges in some of the cases, they said that um, knowing he had a gun on him in each of these things was what got him the heavier case. Like, in mine, they knew he had both a gun and a knife. So I believe in my case, they actually maintained most of those add-ons, but not all of them. And some of the others, they cut down more. So he went from 440 years. They decreased his sentence to a total of 375 years. So he will still never see the light of day. No. Good. Um, so. so after the the sentencing... In between all of this stuff, when we'd be there, like after the guilty verdict, the press waited outside of the courtroom for us um, because they had us all come in again um, and sit there for the verdict. And then as we're leaving the courtroom afterwards, you know, the press are all there. They all want to talk to you. Um, and I and a couple of the other girls specifically told them to use our names. Because I refused to stay hidden because by keeping myself hidden that implies a lack of safety and shame because people want you to hide because it's a dirty little secret and I refuse to do that because I had nothing to be ashamed of I did absolutely nothing wrong I was asleep in my own bed in my own home when he decided to do this this was all on him so I had the safety and the ability to speak out and make these statements to everyone who would listen. And so by God, I was going to do it because not everybody has that opportunity. Not everybody has that safety. Not everybody has that support system. And I, in spite of all the other crap that was going on, I have an amazing support system even to this day. I'm thrilled to hear that. So we had that. And then after the verdict was read, there was a press conference downstairs in the courthouse. Um, and on the way downstairs to leave the building, um, the detective who worked on our case, who I got very close with, he was a, an amazing person and dogged this thing to the very end. There was nothing that was going to stop him from breaking this out. Um, on the way down, he goes, there's a press conference down here. We want you guys to talk if you're comfortable. Okay, great. <laughs> And then we immediately go into this press conference in the middle of the foyer of the courthouse um, and talk to the press again on camera. 
Which, yeah, I've already told you my opinion. I mean, it's the fact that you had the courage then, now. Over and over. Over and over. Yeah. It's amazing. That wasn't the only time I talked to the press either because there have been other um, national news reporting groups that asked us to do episodes of shows and talk about everything and go through soup to nuts what happened um and i if anybody wants to see the stuff i can tell you i mean rather than completely just no i obviously i've talked about my name but um in real life and in some of this stuff but in order to not you know it's not necessarily this isn't just about me yeah right now um this is more about just the experience of what this is and the amount of vulnerability. And even afterwards, even after you've talked to all these people and you've done these shows and people are coming to you and saying, thank you for speaking out. I've never been able to do that. I never had a voice to do that. So thank you for doing that for all of us. That's why I keep talking about this stuff. It needs to be talked about because there are too many people that are silenced for this. And we live with the aftermath. We live with the physical and the mental issues that come with this because we got targeted by someone who decided that they could use our bodies to do whatever they wanted. It's not about the sex. It's about the control and power that they get from that. And that's the thing people need to understand. Not that sex should be anything that's a big secret either. I mean, it's part of just being a human being. But the fact that they want to focus on the sex part of rape instead of the power and control part of it is the most disturbing thing. Yeah. So almost 20 years later, and I still suffer from these things. I still have flashbacks. I still have things that trigger me. I still can't take a shower and hear the water running without having to go back to some of this. I can't, still almost 20 years later, my husband still can't touch me to wake me up. He stands away and talks to me to try to wake me up. And I'm still often startled enough that it is hard on him. I still sleep with a billy club near my bed. I still have my phone next to the bed so that I have access to it. Hopefully I can get to it in time if something happens. I still get up in the middle of the night to check the locks repeatedly because I'm confident that if something happens, if I don't have those locks done, somebody's going to come in again. It won't be him because I know he's in prison and I know where he is and it's horrible, but I go look up every now and then. In Illinois, you can look up the prisoner database and see exactly where they are. You can see, you know, any discipline that they've had. So I know where he is. I always know where he is. But I also know that he doesn't get to control me anymore. And so I have the option to talk about these things. I have the option to tell people my story, to tell people the ongoing impact. So when things like the Kavanaugh hearings happened and it became a big talking point of, well, why wouldn't she report it right away? Let me tell you why she wouldn't report it right away. There's so much more to this than just, oh, I got raped, so here, let me go immediately to the police and tell them what happened. It's 
so much more than that. And again, as you said, sometimes people aren't safe to report. Sometimes Absolutely. it's years before they could feel like they're in a safe place to report. I mean, physically a safe place. Yeah. Not just not just um, emotionally. The vast majority of sexual assaults are not a stranger. Right. It's not the stranger coming into your house, breaking in and assaulting you. It is someone you know personally, mm-hmm. someone you're probably close to, someone who knows you very well and you're going to have to see a lot of. It is not safe for everyone to have to report and know that they're going to have to be around these people because, unfortunately, the vast majority of victims and survivors don't get the outcome I had. Right. My case was incredibly unusual because we had a guilty verdict. The vast majority don't. And even if they get a guilty verdict, you see cases like... The swimmer, the college swimmer who raped the girl behind the dumpster who got like three months because it would, you know, potentially hurt, you know, hurt his, Mm -hmm. his athletic career. Oh my God. Or the football players that, you know, it gets covered up and they don't talk about it because, you know, the football team is more important and she probably was asking for it anyway. Right. You know, these are the attitudes that you see. Oh, well, there are upstanding people in the community or they have a lot of money and they have a positive impact. They're still rapists. They still broke the law. They still committed a crime. It's because the image of what that is portrayed everywhere else isn't that person. It's always some rotten-looking criminal versus... Most horrible criminals, nobody guessed it until they got found out. Ted Bundy, nobody guessed he was a serial killer until he got caught. Hide in plain sight. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've you've talked about talked about the case and some of the details and some of the details of the trial. Um, so now it's after the trial and you've done some press, and I want to talk about like you sort of, for lack of a better term, picking up the pieces and beginning that move on process. Uh, post sentencing. Yeah. So you can walk in yes. a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was dating somebody when this happened. Um, and because of everything, we actually moved in together because nobody wanted me to be by myself. It was probably not the time that we ever should have moved in together, but you know, extenuating cir- circumstances. Well, mm-hmm. less than a year after. Um, it happened. He moved out. So then I was again on my own. Um, when I came to terms with the fact before I knew this was going to go to court, I started moving on. Um, I met my, well, I'd known my current husband. We were friends. Um, and we, uh, we were just going to be friends, but you know, we started to get closer and unfortunately for him because of who I am and what I know is going on and I know I'm a handful with all of this and it's a lot I mean dealing with somebody who's dealing with all of this is a lot even before the court cases and knowing we were going to find the person um, I literally wrote a multi-page thing and said this is me this is everything that you're going to have to deal with you need to understand before we get involved any further I hate that you had to write that the idea that you had to write that 
I mean, it's to me, it wasn't fair to be like, okay, yeah, I know you know me. You know something happened. You don't know all the details. But if you're going to be that involved in my intimate life, you need to understand. Yeah. Because this is going to directly impact you. Um, you know, right afterwards, we had to make phone calls to people to tell them what happened because we knew it was going to make the news of some sort. And some people might be smart enough to figure out who they're talking about and even if they never say my name so it's all these disclosures to people and then as you do get more involved it's the whole you know intimacy becomes an issue because suddenly you know your your body was used against you your mind was used against you through all of this um ptsd is a whole ball of fun um, and it's not just something that, you know, soldiers, unfortunately, get. And it's people don't understand that concept either. Um, they really don't think that anybody else can get PTSD. So then there's this whole, you know, you've literally got to argue for yourself constantly. Does and then just dealing with the weird freakouts, you know, mm-hmm. um, like we'll have arguments. And normally when you have an argument with somebody you want to go to them and or if they're upset you want to go to them and you know make up and maybe you want to touch them or hug them or whatever that's not an option for me most of the time because i will have a panic attack so it's all these things that you know it's tough um there's things no one thinks about because yeah if you think about a case of a thing, it's this isolated little event. You don't think about the innumerable ancillary things that, like you said, relationships and work relationships and friendships and all these things that get impacted by this one singular event that ripples through everywhere, like you've been describing. You know, especially with the relation, you know, those intimate relationships. Yeah, it, absolutely. It, it, literally, it literally affects every every aspect of your life. Just yeah, you know, and 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 it's not that oh, it happened and now we're past it. You know, all the events are over and we're done. It has so many lingering, lasting effects that could very possibly be with you through the through your, the rest of your life. You know, the the entirety of your life now is different it's yeah and that's such a in my mind different is such a um it doesn't even begin to touch how how different things are but i guess that's just the best word i can think of but it it it, it doesn't even describe the the changes that you have to that you have under that you've undergone and have to continue to deal with from from that moment forward and then all the everything that goes along with that it's it's very mind blowing i don't even understand like i get it but part of me doesn't even comprehend how 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 that even happens how how yeah. how yeah i've often described it to people as the woman i was before this happened died she's gone yeah. she's not me I am an entirely different person because my entire world changed that night when that happened. 
whether he actually put the gun to my head and and ended my life then or I survived and lived through it, that person is dead. She's no longer in my life. She's no longer in my world. I had to rebuild from there. I had to find the new me, find my new life because nothing was the same after that night. And it's true because I don't react to things the same way I did before that night. Right. I don't respond to people the same way. I don't respond to things in my environment the same way. I hear a board creak in my floor and unfortunately like my entire house is wooden floors. I hear that board creak somewhere in the house and I'm immediately on alert because I'm just confident that there's somebody in my house. To this day. Before huh? that night, Mm -hmm. it's the house creaking whatever now every noise i hear is i have to stop and listen and be like is that somebody is that somebody in my house if i have to be home alone at night because my husband's traveling there is always at least one light on in my house I cannot do full darkness anywhere. Right. Like immediately afterwards, I had to have a light on in my bedroom. Like if I was home alone and more often than not, I didn't even sleep in my bedroom because there was no way out. I would only sleep somewhere where there was an escape route. Right. I would sleep with my glasses on. I would have lights on. I had to have escape routes. I had my phone in my hand. So at a moment's notice, you could just literally... A moment notice, I was, I can move, I can get out, I can do whatever. I've gotten to the point where I now sleep in my room. I will take my glasses off. My phone is still within arm's reach. Yeah. There's a light on outside of my room. But now I can manage to turn the light off and not have to have a nightlight. I was gifted a... Stained glass turtle nightlight that I kept in my bedroom for the longest time afterward, for years. And it had to always be on at night because I could not be in the pure darkness. And these are things that I still, to this day, often around the anniversary of my assault, I do a blog post. Okay. Because to me, it's important not just to talk about it happening and, and what happened and whatever, but it's important to talk about the ongoing recovery, the ongoing life that you live Yeah. after this happened. Because it doesn't just magically go away. It's no. not just something that, you know, people, well, you know, just don't think about it. That's not an option. That's, that's you know, I am. not, it's not a, happening. Not everybody develops PTSD, but for right. those of us that do, our brains literally don't work the same anymore. No, your biochemistry changes. Yes, that's true. The pathways are completely different. Your responses, your built-in responses to things is completely different. Yeah. People who don't develop full-blown PTSD may develop what they call rape trauma syndrome, which is similar, but tends to be shorter lived. Okay. But it has a lot of the same results. It has a lot of the same issues that go along with it, but more specifically 
for just that immediate trauma. Whereas the PTSD is more of a wide reaching. It doesn't have to be, you know, that exact scenario that sets you off. For me, like I can be anywhere. I can be in the middle of a bar somewhere at a concert and hear some noise or a voice that's similar or a smell and that's it. I'm not done. I'm panic attack. I need to get out. Wow. Almost 20 years later and this stuff still happens. I, my therapist was amazing and set me up with a lot of tools to help me process this stuff and work through this stuff. Not everybody gets that. Not everybody has the support system that can help get me out of situations or, you know, learn what to do or what not to do. Right. Um, you come up behind me and cover my eyes, we're going to have a problem. I mean, I wouldn't Period. Do that under For the rest of my life. At all. You know, just in general. People no. think they're being cute. And, you know, guess who? That's not going to fly with me. No. I'm either going to go full-blown panic attack or I am going to elbow the shit out of you and you're going to be hurting. That's the right answer. Yeah. Um, 100% because, right. <laughs> and you brought this on yourself because that is totally. not an option. And there's nobody around me that doesn't know that's physically going to be around me that doesn't have some knowledge of, you know, the fact that that's going to be a thing. Yeah. And so these are things that, you know... I want to keep talking about because it doesn't just go away. You don't just forget it. It doesn't. This is literally built into your body, your mind, your DNA now. Yeah, it's it, no longer the reactions you used to have. And it paints everything too. It, it absolutely not speaking for you, but speaking on the the subject of trauma in general. It paints your reaction to everything, whether it's just an innocuous reaction or something, you know, fight or flight. Like it changes your worldview on how you approach most everything and how you think about yeah. most everything and how you relate to people, too. Absolutely. And I mean, it, the mental health stuff that go with this and with the PTSD. And I mean, it. There were numerous times where. I was at a point that I literally did not think I could keep going. Like, I didn't think I could be alive anymore. That it would be better for me and everyone not to have to deal with this. Because me being here put everyone through all of this. And unfortunately tragically horrifically and this is i don't even know if this is right but those are real conversations that people mm -hmm. who deal with these kind of trauma trauma that this type of trauma have with themselves mm -hmm. that if i am not around if i am not present then everybody's fine everybody's mm -hmm. okay because all of this all of this it's because of me. Yeah. Even though I did nothing wrong, even though I didn't, I, I, this, this had nothing to do with me. But because it happened to me, now everybody else has to have a, because of me, everybody else has a negative part of their life. So if I am the, 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 the constant in all of that, mm -hmm. theoretically, if you move the constant, then everybody's fine. Yeah, that's you know, unfortunately not, how, not it works. how that works. And that's not at um, all how that's yeah. not at all how it works. But it's that train of thought will, 
you know, that, that runaway train just gets you to that point. And if it's not for people like, you know, therapists, support systems, that can end horrifically. That can end very tragically and for different reasons, you know, and, and for whatever. But yeah, it's 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 something to for everyone really to be aware of, because I mean, to your point. That there are people who are that we interact with every day who have dealt with situations just like this. Mm-hmm. And. If we're not careful. We could be the one that triggers. We could be the one who is. um, the, the So unsupportive that it would push somebody or could push somebody to that point. It's it's wild. And I'll, 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 I think that's kind of where I was headed, I guess. I don't know where I was going with that. But it's it's wild to know that, you know, somebody to your left or to your right could be someone who has dealt with something like this. And the very words that you say could have an amazing, what they do, they'll have an, an incredible effect that you're completely unaware of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the sometimes it's the stupid little conversations that people have and the, the little jokes they make that they don't really think mean anything, but it's not okay. You know, rape jokes aren't really funny. I don't care who you are or what you try to tell people. They're not funny because it's real. And a lot of people have been on the receiving end of those kind of crimes. More people it than most people would me. like to think. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And you, if you think you don't know someone who has had to deal with a sexual assault, you're wrong. And you don't know because they don't feel safe telling you. Which is fine. But just know that you know that person, whomever they are. But no matter what, you do know someone who has been sexually assaulted. It took me sitting in a bathtub with a razor with the doors closed. And hearing my husband outside of the room. And the panic in his voice to think that I wasn't going to be here anymore because of this. For me to realize that me going away wasn't going to take what happened away from all of them. They were still going to have to live with what happened to me and what led me to make that choice. And the fact that you even have to be at that point, the fact that that is even considered an option, I don't even have words to describe how awful that is. Um, You know, this is not the first time I've heard this. Um, it but doesn't imp- get any easier hearing it the but, more but times the, you hear it. Exactly. The, the impact is just the same. It's, it's just the same. And I, I, yeah, it's just, it's, 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 it just is. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the best I mean, way I can say that. These are all very real things that people are going through every single day every single hour and there are more people every day that are living this it may not be my exact situation but every single day 
I don't care what gender you are. It is happening to everyone. And we cover it up. We don't talk about it. We bury it because it's uncomfortable. These kind of conversations are important. And I know not everybody can talk about these things. And it's not, they're not mentally in a place that they can listen or talk about it. But people need to be uncomfortable. They need to know that these are the realities of what happened with this stuff. We're vulnerable when this is happening and when we're living through this and when we're reliving this stuff repeatedly. Everyone else needs to be vulnerable about this stuff too because that's when something changes. That's when we start acknowledging this isn't a dirty little secret. This isn't something that the victim should be shamed about, that they should feel shame, that they need to hide it because they did nothing wrong. The fault is on the person who decided that they could exert power over someone else and use someone else's body against them. Whether or not they could fight back, whether they could punch back, does not matter. This is the ongoing reality of this world. And this is why it is so important to talk about these things. Because it doesn't just go away. And these things will never go away. And they will never get the support they need if we don't talk about it. And not that everybody, just to be clear, not that everybody has to do this. Because you just might not be in a place to ever be there. It's true. But you should, if you feel like you can, you should feel like you feel safe to do it. To have the conversation. To let other people know they are not alone. Yeah. By any stretch of the imagination. And as difficult as this is, and honestly you know hard hard to listen to a lot of the parts this is a necessary conversation because when we when we talked about this leading up to going live tonight the, the whole message has been one person that's it mm-hmm. if it just impacts one person to I'm not even saying tell the story, find a way to heal and move on, whether we know about it or not, that it's the price of admission. It's, it makes it worth having this conversation. And I know that's why you said that you wanted to do this. Yeah. That was the driving force behind it. The one person. Yeah. Helping that one person find the support, find the care, find the help that they need. And I'll I'll it, say it okay. No, I mean it it it's an empowerment thing, you know. It's that's, you know, because someone someone and not, and I hope this is not how this comes across. It's not a comparison thing, but you know, they may be in a situation where they don't know where their attacker is. Mm-hmm. You know, those kind of you know, because to your point, your 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 situation is 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 the exception to the rule. You know, more often than not, you don't know where your attacker is. You don't know what's going on with that. And so, but this, this, I'm hoping it is my sincere so that this gives, again, at least just the one person that the, the drive, the, 
encouragement, the support that says, I can say, I can say something. And even my saying something could prevent somebody else, could prevent something else, could just prevent, period. And, you know, and that it, it, it gives them that courage because, again, I know we've said this and I think this is the best word that we can use. Courage beyond courage. I can't, I can't wrap my brain, wrap my brain around it. But being able to speak out for somebody else, having given somebody else a voice that they may or may not be able to have, is is is, is what it's about. It's it's get driving force. It's the whole reason why we do even this whole thing why we do what we do is to give voice to that which has been silenced for one reason or another silenced either by those that have been victims by those who are the victimizers for those who just want to smooth it over we we can't the rug that has been swept over is it's sitting so high that it's like the ceiling now yeah okay yeah, so you, you can't get around it you just it's not something you can just you know you can put a rug over something and for you know as long as it's not so big you can walk over it forget it's there you know we do it with cables and cores let me put this rug here and nobody so nobody trips we're, we're past that point we're way past that point the the rug is it's it's, it's, you can't even see the rug because of everything. We, everything I mean, as many times has been swept under the rug. So how about let's let's get rid of the rug. Let's let's it's get rid of the rug. It's not covering anything up. It's all still there. It's all still being experienced by people. We're just pretending like we don't see it, and it's it's been going on way too long. Exactly. We can't pretend that we don't see it anymore. Yeah, I agree. And we know. I I think we're all. I think we know. These conversations are becoming more common. I, I think mm-hmm. we can all agree with that. So this mm-hmm. is just yet another voice in that chorus of voices trying to tell people you're not alone. You know, do do whatever you have to do, whatever you are capable of doing to get the help that you need. Um, and then the the reporting thing. You know, it's yeah. not so easy, but if you can and you're able to just to feel safe to be able to do it yeah safety both physical and mental safety are important yeah helping someone feel safe enough to talk about it or report it or do what they need to do for their own safety and well-being is important knowing that you can be the person that helps give them that safety net to be able to do the things that they need to do to keep going in their life to living through this is important because very few of us can do this on our own I couldn't do this if I didn't have the support system that I have had in place from the very beginning I was lucky not everybody is. Yeah. Yeah, you... you well, and, and also, too, I think just you as a person, 
and what that support system helped push you to do to have this conversation and others like it I mean all I can say is thank you because I'll sit here for an hour and look for every word I could think to describe it how unbelievably courageous this was for you to, to, to talk through with us and to present publicly like this again because despite you know with any kind of trauma no matter how many times you've told the story no matter how well adjusted you are after the fact you are still reliving this thing you are still thinking of things this doesn't um anybody with tra any kind of trauma knows this so thank yeah, you it doesn't just go away it's always there whether you're actively thinking about it or not in some form or another right right um so normally i would uh i would say to hammer so you think we did it but I don't want to do that here because I want to make sure that you said everything that you would like to say on this subject before we wrap yep. up. Because we can revisit some things, some things you might not have remembered in the moment. Uh, but, you know, I want you to make sure that you tell every part of the story that you feel that you have to or the, you know, the experience after the fact as far as your healing is concerned. Yeah, I mean, I think we've touched on everything at this point my brain kind of goes to mush after a while talking about some of this stuff sometimes yeah. but um and things kind of get you know to some extent all kind of jumbled up um but i i think we've touched on all the major things i mean the day-to-day the -day life is still i mean it's impacted it's always going to be impacted yeah. um it's it's a different life than i lived before this happened i mean i made it to you know just before, you know, a month before my 26th birthday, before, you know, I was reborn in this new person who at first was literally terrified of everything, who had never been afraid of anything except maybe spiders and heights. Um, and now I've spent the last, you know, 20 years rebuilding the person that I was or trying to come even close to that person, but realizing that I'll never be the same person because this has painted my entire person. It's changed my brain. It's changed the way that I think, that I do, that I act. And that's okay because I've come to a point where I like who I am, even the times where, you know, I'm having a panic attack which is not enjoyable but it's still part of who I am and that's okay because that's real life and it's okay to be afraid sometimes it's okay to struggle sometimes but it's also okay to help support other people it's okay to try to use your voice if you can find it to make a difference yeah I love all of you too. I appreciate all of you. Um, and I'm very lucky that I continue to build my support network out with some really incredible people. And I include both of you in that. Um, and I thank you for being willing to, to talk about this stuff and to be able to put this on the air and to turn this into your, your first interview session for vulnerable because I mean, you don't get much more vulnerable than going through something like this. 
both the actual assault and the aftermath because yeah man you're you're just bare in all ways you can think of thank you thank you you for inviting me in for this well I know I'm I'm honored and it goes without saying I'm honored and I'm proud to call you a friend and and thank you so much something you said struck me um I like who I am. Despite everything you've been through, despite all you had to experience, I like who I am. I don't know. I don't know. Um, any better way to in in your words rebuild yourself tend to start with that after you know after because it was it it was a to your point a tearing away a, a tearing down of all that you were before this 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 situation and it could put you in in a, in a place where and puts many people in a place where they don't like themselves because they um they uh they put it on themselves and and be, you know and now they're this terrible person that nobody can you know nobody should have to live with but i like myself um I, it's amazing um, to this point, you're you're an amazing person. Um, I I know I know we say this often how much we adore each other, but I do. Um, even for me, this and we've said it for this random guy that came out of nowhere. Um, to very suddenly be a part of this support system, it's there aren't words and I'm not going to try to find them. There aren't words to express gratitude, my uh, appreciation, all those things are just aren't words. But um, for you to be able to come to a point where I like myself is in my mind and maybe mine only is absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. You said it perfectly. I couldn't have said it any better. That's the best capstone to that conversation. Scars and all. The scars on the outside, the scars on the inside. They're always going to be there. But they're part of what make me who I am right now. I adore who you are. And I think again, I don't know, whatever, I'm going to say it again. The most courageous human being, one of the most courageous human beings I've ever met. So Absolutely. Thank you. No. Thank you. No, ma'am. <laughs> not think, do not thank us for anything. You guys have been willing to have this conversation and be uncomfortable and be uncomfortable a lot while we talked about this. Um, that says something about the people that you are. 
because this is, I mean, you guys are very vulnerable during this too, because this is not something that everyone is willing to sit there and have their faces and their voices in when these discussions are happening. And I, I appreciate everyone that's out there watching this right now, that's listening to this, that's commenting and that will listen to this. Yeah. Because this is going to make you and probably has made you very uncomfortable. Um, and I'm sorry for that, but it has to be done. Um, I don't like making people uncomfortable unless they deserve it. Um, and I, you know, but I feel strongly that this is, this is something that has to be talked about because I refuse to let people continue to suffer in silence because they can't find their voice. I found my voice and I will use my voice for them. It's a strong goddamn voice, lady. I gotta tell you. It's a strong fucking voice. Oh my goodness. Now I'll say this. I was with you until one point. And I'm sorry to make you uncomfortable. We need to be uncomfortable. We need to be yeah. to have these conversations. So that's the only place I can't roll with you. It's the only place I can't go. We do have to be uncomfortable so we can have these conversations. Or to our points, what 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 prevents this? What's wh where is it, where does it stop? Where does it end? What yeah. is it even slow? So don't sorry. I'm sorry uh, that you're gonna feel uncomfortable, but I'm still gonna do it because it needs to be done. Yeah, and, and let me let me walk you folks through this too. Like this wasn't just like a you know this isn't an isolated thing where we just decided to like just jump on you know, camera and mic and everything. And like, we really kind of agonized over this decision to do this. I mean, uh, no, that's not true. I wouldn't say we agonized over it because it was a pretty quick decision, but there was a lot of anxiety around yeah. it, like a tremendous amount of anxiety. Uh, I know for my, I'll speak for myself, um, but being able to do this is, is just too important. Again, I don't think we're, I'm getting close to being a dead horse again, but you know what I mean. That poor horse. I know. It's okay. <laughs> well, I think then. <laughs> go ahead. We, I mean, we and just because we we use this as we do, um, what you don't get to do, ma'am, is say nice things about us. <laughs> you don't get to do that. Excuse oh, you. Yes, we said what we I said. I can say nice things about you all I want, and you don't we, get to stop me because you don't have that kind of control over me, sir. I have control over me and we, what I say and what we, I do now. We said what we said, and that's all. I think, you know what? I think Kissy needs a mm -hmm. shout out for that. Anyway. I'm not fighting this battle. This is so, all you, sir. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll take it. You know, I am, ready, I am ready to jump in there, both feet. But, um, and that's only just to... Um, there, there, there's a wonderful job for Kissy. Just to to bring us around. That's it. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. Just to bring us around. I'm that's... still going to say nice things about you, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and for all of you out there watching this right now on Twitch and Facebook and whatever, I'm reading through the comments that you guys are, are putting up there. And I appreciate all of you. Um, I thank you all for being here because this is, you know, it's a lot. And I know it's a lot. So I appreciate you sticking through and being here if you can. And if you couldn't be here for the whole thing, that's okay, too. 
um, because I understand. But thank you. I I appreciate all of you. And thank you to all of you that have spoke up and talked about some of your own things or how you feel or whatever. I appreciate you and I hear you and I see you and you are valid. You are absolutely valid. Yeah. Thank you, Kissy. Thank you, Hammer. Thank you both for being amazing friends. I adore both of you. And um, thank you. I adore you too. I adore you both. You know how I feel. I've said what I said already. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't why don't we do this? Because this has now gotten to the point where nobody wants to say wrap up. So I'm just gonna say, let's go ahead and wrap. Kissy, you can go ahead and drop and mute whatever. Um, once again, one last time. I adore you and thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. All right. We'll talk soon. Definitely. Okay. Well, she did it. She did it. We didn't she do did anything. No, we just we just ended just... up here. <laughs> we were just along for the ride. Um, I do want to talk to everybody in the audience really quick. Um, thank you all, as Kissy said a bunch of times. Thank you guys for having the courage to be here and listen to this. Wow, thank you to yes. our mod teams for agreeing to stay and listen to this. This is not an easy subject. Not at all. By any stretch of the imagination. And the fact that people were here to listen and be here for it and support her and us. Um, thank you all. Seriously. Um, sorry, I'm just going to hand it over to you, Hammer. Sorry. I mean, it just it just goes to show the caliper, the caliber of character of individuals to be able to, you know, hang through with this and even have input in it, you know, not just be around because there were some that I know this is a tough conversation to to be in, to be around for more than one reason. And I still see them, you know, that they are, I mean, even, even in this committed to being a part of this, uh, I guess call to action, if you want to call it that, of getting the word out of, you know, being able to speak out, removing this rug and dealing with these, these, these issues. I mean, I, I can't, I can speak for both. We've got awesome communities and um, it's, uh, it's, and, uh, and I'll speak for you this time. It is our pleasure to have such communities. That's all. I won't go any further because I know me. You nope. said it perfectly, my friend. Listen, <laughs> um, from me to you, Hammer, thank you for going on this journey with me. I don't know what, what, what possessed us to do this, and I, I'm glad we did it. I'm proud to call you a friend, my co-host. Um, let's say goodbye to our podcast community and uh, wrap up on the Twitch and uh, Facebook side. How about that? All right, cool. Listen, guys, make sure if you even still, if you need to, take care of yourselves. Please this, talk to someone this, after. This, yes, this was still a very difficult conversation to have. And it's not one that you're just like, oh, that's oh, great. That's done. Let's move on. It's it's going to have an effect on you. It's going to you're going to think about everything the brain hears in processes. So as the brain is doing what it does, if you need to reach out to somebody, Please do. Please make sure you're taking care of yourself. Uh, 
so just so that sure it wasn't you, but the effect of it can be what it can be. So again, I can't, we can't stress that enough to make sure that you're taking care of yourselves um, in a constructive and positive manner. Follow, you know, following this, this conversation. Perfect. But I wish, I wish you all a, a great night. Yeah. Have a great night, everybody. Great night. Thank you again for being here. Wow. All right. All right. Um, find a raid target here on the Twitch side of things. I have an idea if you want. Thank you for coming to Chris and Russ's podcast. We are so happy that you could join us. Take care of yourselves. Be good to your hearts and have a good evening.